0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: More of the story. I hope they went to jail because I don't feel bad. And welcome to the Down in Front podcast, the official podcast of. Down in front podcast.com. Thanks so much for joining. What we do here at the Down in front podcast is that we hang out, we review movies, a bunch of TV shows, all with a bunch of best friends, all over uh, alcoholic beverage of our choice, usually. Uh, so I'm super excited. We're going to go a bit of a round table. And tonight we're going to be talking about Ralph Breaks the Internet, the second version of Wreck It Ralph. Super excited to talk about this film, especially because the last one came out six years ago in 2012, which I'm blown away it was that long. But before we get into a review, what we're going to do is talk about what else we've been watching and also what other beverage that we're drinking. I'm going to toss it over to my best friend. We have a bit of a rivalry happening because we have a big game coming up this weekend. Mouth of the South, Mr. Brylan. How's it going, man? What you sipping on tonight and what you've been watching?
2: Go Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> I am doing well. How you doing, Warren? I hate you. <laughs> I, was, I was doing hey. great until you said that. Hashtag third time's a charm.
1: Hashtag no. (laughs)
2: Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I am drinking some lemon and ginger tea from David's Tea, which is uh, nice and soothing because after a day on the internet, it can be very chaotic and disturbing. So you need something to bring you back to your center. Um. What I've been watching recently is I went and saw Girl in the Spider's Web, which is the latest movie in the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. Uh, the original tril- trilogy are some suspense movies that I really appreciate. I even like the David Fincher remake of Girl with Dragon Tattoo. And when this movie was actually... Announced, I suddenly realized, hey, they made a whole nother trilogy of books about this series, (laughs) which I found really interesting because uh, the original author he passed away, and so I guess someone took up the mantle because of how popular these uh, novels have been. Uh, But this also stars uh, someone that an actress that I really admire right now, Claire Foy. Um, She, what's really good about this movie is. Uh, not only Claire Foy, Foy, but also, uh, let me find his name real quick. Michael Fassbender? Is he in this movie? Uh, Michael Fassbender. Damn, he's great. Uh, you'll love it when I say it. It is Lakeith Stanfield. Ooh! He nice. plays an amazing CIA agent in this movie, too. And I think he's the best thing in this movie, as wow.
1: well. Is it a straight role uh, from him? Is it kind of comic, like, comedic? Isn't, it's... It's... You can. He has attitude,
2: but he's also like very smart and clever and gets around things really well in this movie, which I thought was really cool. Um, but also, the unfortunate thing about this movie is it is a very pain-by-numbers suspense thriller. You're not going to be surprised by anything. The action's kind of boring, and all the re- revelations, they really aren't earned because they're kind of rebooting the series with this new trilogy and you kind of got to rebuild the character of Lisbeth Salander if you're going to do that. They unfortunately don't do that. They kind of hit the ground running, which could have been fine, but it it just doesn't add up to an entertaining movie. So I was unfortunately disappointed overall by this film. Uh, But Big ups to Claire Foy and LaKeith Stanfield, nonetheless.
1: I love Claire Foy. We talked about the crowd. She was also in First Man. She's having, like, a great year. I really would love to see her in more things. I didn't even realize that was her in that movie. Yeah. Um, So I would probably support her just about anything that she does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brylin, as always, it's great to see your face. I'm excited to get your take on uh, this Ralph Breaks the internet. I'm going to toss it over to another good friend. Uh, We hang out at times, but arguably one of the best wedding dates I've ever had in my life. Uh, Mr. Mocha Mike, how's it going, man? What you sipping on tonight? What else have you been watching?
0: Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? So happy to be back in the chair with you all. Um, Tonight I am sipping on a little brew... From a place called Barrier Brewing Company, located in Oceanside, New York. What up, Long Island? It is called We Are One. I'm going to go ahead and uh, put it up here so that everyone on the live stream can see what we got going on. Um, but I was looking for a beer that sort of represented something about this movie. And I saw this one, and it made me think of the relationship that Ralph and Penelope uh, have. And how no matter how far apart they are, they're still together. And so I with that beer. Um, anyway... <laughs> alcohol aside what i've been watching lately i've gone last week was the thanksgiving uh holiday week here in the states for all of our non us listeners and i used that time off to binge through some more of the marvel netflix shows that i'm desperately trying to catch up on before we get to the end of the year um this most recent completion was iron fist and uh i have to say if aside from I'd say that this this show is an excellent example of just how horribly Scott Buck fucks up everything that he touches. <laughs> is that season you know, one you're watching or season? No, two? season season two. But the oh, fact yeah. that he wasn't a part of it and it was so much better is just a perfect example of how this this series did not have to take such a quick nosedive at the beginning. Um, I thought season two was actually really solid. Uh, I was way more interested in Danny Rand's character. Um, the direction of his of um, Finn Jones' acting was just much more uh, approachable and enjoyable. I love the focus on all the different characters. My girl Misty Knight, loving my life, had such a, had a big role in it, which was fantastic. Always love seeing ladies kick ass in shows like this. Um, and you know what? At the end of it, I understand why you know, Netflix decided to cancel it. Um, but I don't think it was a bad decision, and I think that it actually ended in a really good spot. Aside from maybe like one or two final scenes, I think that it was a pretty complete story as it was. Um, so I'm excited to see. What comes next with this character? Because I don't think that Disney is done with it yet, just the series itself.
1: I think for some reason I binge watched that show and I was up until like maybe five or six in the morning at one point and I like finally finished it and I got to that ending scene and I was like, wait, what? What? And then it ends, (laughs) and then they said it was canceled. I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. But I thought it was like – that was probably one of the greatest – I think it's a pretty – not the greatest. Let me me redact that. I think that was a really strong uh, cliffhanger to kind of end the show off of if it is going to end, which I don't think it will. But I think it was a pretty cool way to end the show.
0: Yeah, strong cliffhanger, really strong comeback story in terms of the production of the show. And uh, I hope Finn Jones gets to reprise the role sometime soon. Hopefully that's a cameo in the MCU.
2: I can't wait to see more Ward meet him.
0: Yeah, he finally became lovable at the yeah. very last minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it took
1: how long? I, I feel bad for that guy's character because I was like, man, you were terrible in this season one. Season two, I'm like, you're, you're better. You're, you're definitely better. Then he starts going through some shit. I'm like, oh, he has some serious acting chops. He's still looks terrible but like all right i don't mind it and then the show wins so i i did enjoy so i'm glad you actually kind of binge watched that mocha
0: yeah also i gotta give a shout out to bryland i know in the past you and i have had disagreements about whether or not netflix shows in general be, would be better if they were shorter i still am a fan of just more content at all times but i think that the second season of iron fist which was 10 episodes was greatly improved by having it be a bit more condensed in the previous season so i'll give you this one
1: I think I also said that too, so you're also giving me a shout out.
2: (laughs) I've never Uh, done that willingly. He he mentioned
1: my name. Bunch of bitches. Uh, thanks, Mocha. It's always good to see your face. Five, Mrs. Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I
2: mean,
1: it's pretty good. She lasts about five minutes in. It's never bad. Um, I am for real. Oh, I hate that song. It ruined my childhood. <laughs> With that, we have our very special guest. Again, literally, I think this is a record to go back to back. I don't think we ever had a special guest go back to back. Mocha doesn't count at the time. I know you're going to pipe in in a moment. But (laughs) super excited. One of my best friends. We hang out all the time, although she lives a thousand miles away, at least. Friends with Bruins, Harry Potter, Wizarding World, fanatic, Megan Arnold. How's it going, Megan? What you sipping on? What you watching? And what is your favorite Disney princess?
3: Um, (laughs) I would say it's good to see you again so soon, but... (sighs) I'm excited to see Mocha and (laughs) Bryland. Right now, now, I'm sipping on some Colby Red, California Red Blend wine. Um, I've reviewed it as Friends with Blends in the past. I'll put something up there again today. But one thing that I wanted to call out on today, which as we're filming is Giving Tuesday, where you're supposed to give back after the Crazy Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Um, Colby Red donates a lot of their funds to um, heart-related charities, which I really appreciate. The bottle says that they have re- donated over a million dollars so far. So great wine, super tasty. They do a lot of really great things. Also, they have hearts all over everything, which is just like this next installment in Wreck-It Ralph. Hearts everywhere, so I love it. <laughs> um what I have been watching I recently saw Instant Family which was one of the most enjoyable movies I've seen in a very long time. I have a soft spot for Mark Wahlberg and there was just something so lovable about the film. I won't go into too much detail. I don't want to spoil anything, but I cried, I laughed. I walked out of it feeling like I just spent 2 hours learning more about myself. So I love that. And then to kind of go on the opposite end, I spent most of our Thanksgiving break watching every new Christmas themed rom-com on Netflix. So also soft spot for that. (laughs) Loved them. They were great. The princess switch, Vanessa Hudgens. Wonderful.
1: (laughs) She's still making
0: movies.
3: she is. She is. Um, did you watch that Santa a movie
0: with Kurt Russell? I did. <laughs> I'm too scared to. Every time it shows up on my uh, Instagram story ads, I, I get like frightened and I switch the slide do. away. I, I feel
2: do. like it's the Santa Claus it's Four, and it's like uh, he has to break into uh, a prison island and <laughs> rescue the president or something.
3: <laughs> no joke. There is a prison musical scene. Oh so wow! You should check it out. <laughs> Um, And for sure, my favorite Disney princess is Belle from Beauty and the Beast with a close second for um, Tiana from Princess and the Frog.
1: Nice. I love
3: books and I love baking, so there you you
1: go. You love bacon or baking?
3: (laughs) Baking. Have you seen Princess and the Frog?
1: Yeah, I'm just asking you. There could have been bacon in that. I like bacon, too. Uh, That is probably one of my favorite... (laughs) Uh, songs going down the bayou as well as the, um, uh, man, the frog, uh, the little, we don't have to get into that movie, but we, we can talk about it. <laughs>
3: so, sorry. That is uh, soundtrack that I actually paid attention to yeah. while I was watching the movie. So. Soundtrack
1: was absolutely out of this world. If you have not like listened to the princess and the frog soundtrack, I definitely suggest doing that. Um, one of my favorite. So, and one of our favorites, cause it sounds like it's Megan's favorite too. But Megan's always great to see you. Always great to kind of hear your voice. I'm excited to get your take on a movie that's not about Harry Potter and the Wizarding <laughs> World. Uh, but you did also review uh, one of your first reviews was talking about a Disney princess. So I'm excited for you to talk about another Disney princess here. So super pumped.
2: My favorite Disney princess is Baloo.
1: <laughs> Baloo?
2: <laughs> it's got the best song. Bare Necessities.
1: That doesn't make him a princess. No,
2: but he's a great
3: singer. Does he singer. sing while looking at a reflection in water?
1: He probably. I think he actually was.
2: I mean, wow. he, he scratches his back on a tree. Does that count?
0: No. <laughs> M-
1: Mocha, your favorite Disney princess?
0: Oh, hands down, Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Uh, she was definitely my favorite princess uh, when I was a kid. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of related to her being, uh, you know... The youngest mermaid in a group of mermaids trapped under the sea. Just wanted to be anywhere else but there. That was pretty much my childhood growing up. So, <laughs> Likes gadgets and gizmos. <laughs> but, Dude, I fucking love gadgets and gizmos. I watched the movie. I was like, you like gadgets and gizmos? I love it. Being- <laughs> I didn't think I'm a bop. I love being um, a hoarder. <laughs> oh, that's not, I will not, say- that's not what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> I will say my favorite non-princess Disney lady is definitely Megara from Hercules. She has the most badass personality. Um, I- I'm sorry,
1: did you say Meg? No, he said Megara.
3: Oh, <laughs>
0: I did. I did not say Meg. I said Meg. <laughs> but no, yeah, she's my favorite non-princess. For
1: sure. If I think if I have to say the uh, three Disney movies that has the best music, it's probably going to almost align with my favorite Disney princess. It's Mulan and Tiana. No. Mulan and (laughs) Tiana, favorite Disney princesses. But I'd say Hercules, Mulan, and Princess and the Frog probably has the best music in all the films. So we can definitely kind of talk about that. But I'm pretty sure nobody can go to distance. That's like – pretty much a perfect song, but my name is Warren. I will be the host for this evening. I am currently sipping on some vodka and some Valerian Nights tea. I think I was also trying to get a little bit uh, with, you know, Arabian Nights, you know, Disney, but it's really good. And it's also by David C. So thank you so much. It makes me sleepy. So it's perfect. Uh, I got a chance to watch a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I'm only going to talk about three of them here. Uh, Saw Widows. I was super excited to to see that with Viola Davis. I wouldn't recommend. The uh, movie was a bit of a mess, but I also enjoyed it. A uh, bit of a heist film. Uh, the show that we talked about before with Julia Roberts called Homecoming on uh, Amazon Prime is absolutely out of this world. Uh, I'm so surprised that not as many people is watching it, probably because it's on Amazon Prime and you don't see too many um, uh, you know commercials about it, but really, really enjoyed the show. I'm really bummed that I kind of want to see Julia Roberts in everything at this point, because she was great in it. Uh, but I think one of the, probably the top well-acted movies, I think, and more of the character works that was just written, was Green Book. I saw that last night, um, starring Marshall Ali and, um, I was going to say Ving Reigns. Uh, <laughs> Vigio <laughs> Morgan. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <What> no! no. <laughs> uh... So you go Mortensen. Big o Mortensen. <laughs> what? Mortenstein. out got here. It's um, Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali. I always pron- mispronounce <laughs> that. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed the fact that this was an inspiring, you know, based on a true story. One of the guy who the movie was like a main character, he actually wrote it. Um And although it was more of a kind of a period piece, it definitely made it seem like, you know, never necessarily judge a book by its cover. It gave you that kind of duality of a purpose and it definitely kind of taught you a couple lessons. But it also was realistic, right? It wasn't a movie that says, oh, racism is cured because I drive a black guy around now, right? It was definitely something that talked about um, a lot of different things that's probably needed, especially around the holidays and just especially around the fact that, you know, it came out at a perfect time. Right, especially especially it's coming out around the holidays when you are with your family usually, and you're probably going to get into some dusting up, some terrible conversations. I think it was definitely something to talk about, and I'm surprised. I hope more and more people get a chance to watch that movie. Um, so that's Green Book. Um, that's out in theaters right now. Homecomings on Amazon Prime, and Widows is out in also theaters, but you can save your money for that. I don't like them. So I'm going to go ahead and we'll talk about, let's get, uh, do a couple of shout outs. We have send a sip. So I'm going to toss it over to the marvelous Brylin. Brylin, who are you sending a sip to tonight?
2: I am going to send my sip out to George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, finally, after many, many years, he has released a new game of Thrones book, but it's not the sequel to dance with dragons. It's called fire and blood. It is the history of the, Targaryen uh, family, and uh, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm about 200 pages in, and it's uh, it's very much his Silmarillion If you're not sure what, if you've never heard of that, that's J.R. Tolkien's kind of. Um, appendix to the Lord of the Rings world that kind of fleshes out some of the backstories in it. Uh, and this one kind of has the same type of feeling as like a historical text. But since George R. R. Martin is more of a better writer than J.R. Tolkien, uh, it's actually more entertaining to read and more fun to read as well. And it, it has that nice pace that his books always have, where it's just going by so fast, and you're always captivated by what's on the page, uh, one after the other. So, George R. R. Martin, I will send this up to you for Fire and Blood. I am really enjoying it right now. Thank you. I will not give you shit about Winds of Winter. I'll leave that to the more militant fans of yours, like Mocha. Uh, He can give you shit on my behalf.
1: Uh, Is that a hot take that uh, George R. R. Martin is a better writer than Tolkien? It's not
2: a hot take, it's just the truth.
0: So I reacted I had a pretty visceral reaction Moka to that statement like, but then I thought about it and I was like especially if we're comparing Silmer, like the Silmarillion to anything, uh anyone's gonna seem like a better writer. But um people like George R. R. Martin wouldn't be around without Tolkien, so well, I mean physically maybe, but as an author he wouldn't be around, so uh, I, I always got a show respect to the OGs.
2: Oh yeah, I mean the content is sound and in its point, but like when you sit down and read something like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, it is a bit of a slog. You gotta
0: admit. Mm. Yeah.
1: Mocha, who are you sip, uh, sending a sip over to tonight?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to be sending a sip over to my buddy Ish. Uh, short name, his full name is Ishrak. Um, this dude I grew up with, he's like one of my longest running friends, and he was in town. Visiting his family for Thanksgiving and, uh, as good friends often do, opened up his home and invited me over, which was, uh, kind of funny because I ditched my own family to go hang with his (laughs) for the holiday. But it was great. His family's Bangladeshi and so I was able to have a butt ton of just like really, really good food and the kind of food that I would not have gotten at a more traditional Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and it was a great time hanging out with his big family and all of his cousins and just, uh, So, yeah, just quality time with an old friend. So uh, I want to send a sip his way. I don't think he's listening to this episode, but uh, that's probably for the best. So He doesn't hear me getting all mushy. Ah,
1: thoughtful. There you go, Ish. There you go, Ish. Uh, Megan with 16 E's. Who are you sending a sip over to?
3: Kind of corny, but I'm sending a sip out to my dad. Because like a real trooper, he agreed to go to this movie with me. No questions asked. It wasn't until we were sitting down, waiting for the movie to start, that I found out that he had no idea what the movie was about, didn't even know that there was a first movie, so naturally he hadn't seen the first movie. He just agreed to go with me, because he's a stand-up guy. He also, I'm sure, will not be listening to this podcast, but send him a sip his way anyway.
1: Thank you, Mr. Arnold. (laughs) There you go, Mr. Arnold.
3: Dave. You can call him Dave. Dave Arnold? Dave Mm -hmm.
1: Arnold, founder of Wendy's. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wait, did he find Wendy's? He did. Dave Thomas did. I know (laughs) he didn't. Uh, my sips are going to go out to, uh, I got, uh, two sips to send out. I'm going to also send one to my mom because thanks for reminding me. I also did not do this, uh, for thanks for cooking for us. I traveled down to Jacksonville and she was like hustling, bustling. I'll show you the photos, but she had at least 15 sweet potato pies, two pineapple upside down cakes, one pound cake, and she had a two cream cheesecakes and she had banana bread and zucchini bread in the fridge before I got there. And that was just the desserts. So, just keep that in mind. She cooked this all within less than 24 hours. She had two hens, which don't eat meat, but she had two hens. She had a roast, and she had vegan sausage for me. It was out of this world. And, of course, mac and cheese. I mean, come on. Um, so, definitely send you a huge sip. I'm just going to send you a gulp, Mom. Thanks so much uh, for kind of cooking for us. I had about three and a half plates uh, before I passed out for the second time. So, I appreciate that.
0: Uh, and then – I got a – yeah, I got a quick question about the calculus there. So it looked like sh- the number of pies and types of pies went like one, one, two, one, two, and then fifteen. <laughs> um, I just want to circle back on that really quick and find out whether the exaggeration was in the lower number pies or in the higher number pie. No, it was it was
1: the correct number of pies. She usually bakes a lot. She usually have like about maybe 7 7 or 8 of pies for us. I usually eat a whole pie and a half for myself just letting you know that uh but she also gives the pies away for a lot of her co-workers and stuff like that so she goes pretty crazy about it so if any of you are close to jacksonville you can easily have a bunch of sweet potato pies it's absolutely great Uh, where's our pies warren huh where's our pies they're here they're in my fridge oh okay yeah so whenever you choose to come visit me you got it
2: awesome because i'm off tomorrow
1: oh perfect (laughs) shit uh i'm out of town sorry (laughs) (laughs) But, <laughs> All right. I do want to also send a sip over to... Um a guy who actually like really sort of created a lot for my childhood, but I didn't realize. Who actually recently passed away from ALS? I think within the last couple of days. Um, Steven Hellenberg, He was diagnosed with ALS last March, uh, which was kind of unfortunate. For uh, he actually kind of passed away within the last couple of days. Uh, if you don't know, he's the creator of Rocko's Modern Life and SpongeBob, which was two of my favorite shows ever. Especially more SpongeBob than Rocko's Modern Life. Um, and it was really sad. I th- I'm. Glad Glad that a lot of people are using a lot of the memes that he created to show their support and said, you know, rest in peace or rest in power. So, uh, big ups to you, my friend. Thanks so much for kind of shaping my childhood. I can't, I, I love you, and I'm sorry that you had to deal with ALS because ALS sucks. But here's to you, my friend. And with that, we're going to take a break. So, we're getting to our point where we're going to talk about all spoilers for Ralph Breaks the Internet. So, if you have not seen this movie, I'd say hit pause, go watch the movie, definitely enjoy it. Bring your kids, bring your girlfriend. It's a great date movie, family movie. It's a, it's a movie for all occasions. Everybody's probably going to disagree with me, but eh, that's okay. Uh, and we will see you soon for a full review spoiler section of Ralph Breaks the Internet. <laughs> And we are back, and we are the Down to Front Podcast. Super excited to be in our spoiler section, so we will be talking about the different sections of... Ralph Breaks the Internet, the second version of the Wreck-It Ralph sort of universe. Super excited. I have Brylin here. We have Mocha here. We have our special guest Megan or Megan, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, okay. we'll, we're going to be uh, breaking this movie up into a couple different sections. So we did want to talk a bit about the characters and the design of the actual film itself. We'll talk a bit about some of these kind of complex sort of topics at how Disney handles it in this movie. Things like attachment, abandonment, and sort of just friendship. And hopefully we kind of close it off with talking about sort of the Internet as a whole through its lens. How they were able to kind of animate a couple of the things of um, giving us some imagery um, a part of those actual film to the film before we kind of close it out. So, as always, I'm going to toss it over to my favorite, Brylin. Talk to me about characters and the design.
2: Yeah. Uh, first off, I want to premise this by saying um, Wreck-It Ralph, the original one, was one of my favorite animated films of the last decade. Uh, I love that movie. I love how clever it is and how it talks about um, just Outsiders coming together to be themselves and being proud of themselves. Uh, but also, um, I thought, like, the character design was so unique that we haven't really seen anything like this in a Disney film before. And I it definitely dug to the nostalgia trip of all these classic games that I used to play as a kid growing up, uh, being the backdrop of everything as well. And, uh, like, I love it too... So much to the point, like, I always tell myself, if I ever have a daughter, I will fight for her to be named Vanellope, and daddy-daughter Halloween costumes will be wreck ralph Vanellope until she gets sick of it. So, I, I know there's no better way to traumatize a child. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to say, oh, that's, not, I mean, that sounds pretty cool. I would love to do that. Yeah. That's a good idea.
2: But uh, as far as Ralph breaks the Internet, uh, so when it comes to the characters, uh, you do have John C. Riley and Sarah Silverman return as Ralph and Pete. and they're still great as those characters. They have a lot of charm, and they have a great uh, rapport between themselves of how this friendship grows and everything. It's really cool to see um, how they are at the beginning of the movie, but also how they end, because this journey that they take is about the growth of a friendship, which I thought was really cool. Um, I found that some of the jokes they were given were just like they weren't really landing as... Well as like the jokes in the original Film like they go into some Odd places like they have this Critique on uh, Zangief's uh, grooming Hair grooming <laughs> methods And uh, also like Just discovering like oh the name of eBay is from this guttural noise That Fixit Felix makes so uh, I just felt that some of the Jokes that they were telling were Kind of weak which isn't the character's fault Necessarily it's just more of the Writing but uh, as it stands Um But also along the way Like we also were Introduced to a lot of side characters In the first film Like fix felix Like Calhoun Um Like uh Pac-Man and other characters From video game lore And They all get pushed to the side For the most part in this film I think One thing Especially with fix felix and Calhoun It would have been great to see in, Like a scene of them Trying to Uh actually be a family with the sugar crush kids i thought that would have been really cool if they continue that as like a bit of a side story in the movie and we just see the beginning and the ends of that and we really don't get to see like how that happens
1: yeah something tells me that probably shot a bunch more of the film with a bunch of those cutaways of them like losing their mind kind of going crazy so that at near the end of the movie right that moment is kind of worth something they kind of built to that moment um, it I, I really wonder that they probably cut out all of that in the movie and thinking that was more of a distraction and they wanted more of the internet um, which is because it, so it, it felt weird they introduced it and we didn't hear anything about them at all up until he was stressed out at one time in the movie then we see them and it's all solved in the end so I thought it was kind of weird
2: yeah it, it definitely felt a little too abrupt at the end. When they revealed that. Um, but we also get some neat new characters like Gal Gadot's uh, Shank, uh, who is a, surprise, a hot, sexy, badass lady that can kick ass, but also drive really well. Uh, just like Gal Gadot plays in every single movie she's in. <laughs> and, um, and she's really cool, and I think her crew is really cool. Uh, especially uh, Butcher Bob, who's... Uh, he looks super big and tough, but he actually uh, is a very eloquent person that talks about like the latest TED Talk that he watched and stuff, so I thought that was a uh, pretty hilarious one-liner from him. Um, I did think uh, that uh, Taraji P. Henson also did a great job as yes. Uh, I wasn't sure how this character was going to kind of sit with me. Um, She was kind of an amalgamation of the gig economy and um, streamer culture and uh, this whole thing of like building your likes so you can actually make a fortune and stuff and be a professional by being this immediate personality on the web and it was neat that they used her to give a little insight into like the behavior of that type of culture that's out there on the web i think it might have been a little bit stronger if they like um i mean maybe they if they went out of their way and kind of got someone that maybe uh, a lot of people know like ninja or anybody else that's like a popular streamer and maybe blended them together and see what that would have been like i thought that would have been pretty interesting
1: and that's a really cool – that's a great call. I didn't even think about that until you just said it there. Um, it really did feel like they kind of missed the ball on just creating these characters of people who are already internet famous, uh, whether it's streamers, whether it's the unboxers. I mean they literally hit everything, right? And, um it's kind of a bummer unless they did right, and they did voices that we don't necessarily know about yet. But I know that you've been looking through all the different voices right now, so I'm sure you don't see them. But um, that is kind of bummer. You know, that would have been cool to kind of get. That would have been like kind of breaking the fourth wall a bit, but also been pretty cool to see.
2: Yeah, um, along with that, they have all the. Uh Dizzy princesses in here. And it's really cool. I thought they they got the as many of the original voice actors as they could for whoever's alive to play the princess's voice again. So it's cool to see them bring that group of talent back together, which I thought was really cool. Uh, it, but uh, what made me like just... Get emotionally welled up and everything was a Stanley cameo that we see just briefly or everything he's walking by. Just immediately I'm just like my eyes are watering. I'm like, don't do this to me. It's too soon.
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess we should have known that was going to happen, um, but I still was not ready for it especially yeah. so soon because we were like fully immersed in this world and in the internet world and we're in the Disney section of this internet well world of this movie and you just see him pop up and I think everybody and I had a lot of kids in my theater who probably didn't really quite get it but you hear everybody's like "Ah!" that's like oh no that's such a sad <laughs> but like it's a great moment like he lived through these movies right and um, it's kind of the same you know thing I think the one thing that we talked about is Alan Rickman you know me Megan and uh, our another friend of the podcast podcast with friend of the show derek talk about you know his role and kind of seeing him just kind of live through like he is like literally the epitome of the snape character so um you're sad but at the same time like you're glad you're happy that that is who they've become which is great it's like they're they're transcendent out of their body to me yeah
2: absolutely uh but i hope to see more surprises of uh stanley pop up everywhere Fun fact, I learned that he actually made a cameo in The Princess Diaries, which is amazing. So Princess Diaries is Marvel canon. (laughs)
1: Everything's (laughs) canon. That's great. What what cameo was he in that? Do you know?
2: Uh, I don't know. He's like a wedding guest. Nice. That's, That's the scene he's in. Um, Other than that, with the characters, I thought they were actually leading up to some romantic tension happening between Ralph and Shank. So I was kind of bummed that 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 didn't really lead anywhere, that Shank was just her own person and uh, Ralph was just being Ralph. And he had some very, very idiotic moments in this movie.
1: I didn't see that romantic tension at all.
0: Did Maybe any, I was reading too much into did it. Did anybody else? <laughs> Brian was definitely thirsty during <laughs> RetroRap. <laughs> I
1: was like I, – I, I saw some romantic happenings or friendship. I wasn't entirely sure for Shank and Vanellope. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. She's definitely want to stay. This is home. I see that there's something kind of growing, like kind of a deeper friendship kind of growing. But – It felt like Shank and Ralph had like maybe two or three scenes together. They were kind of on the at the ends, like kind of disliking each other. Well, he was disliking her for taking his only friend, sort of thing.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I don't know what I can't remember what it was that made me think that, but I thought that would have been cool. Like, fix it. He looks. He found his lady. Let Ralph find his lady. You know.
1: Cool, Megan. Megan, what you got?
3: Um, The romantic in me would also like Ralph to find somebody. But on that note, I kind of, as you were talking about it, it it flagged something in my mind. I felt like the dynamic between Ralph and Vanellope was a little more on the romantic side. I know that they're good friends and they've been good friends for a long time, but I feel like there was a lot of buildup and that kind of makes more sense with how um, like possessive Ralph was getting. It felt more like a borderline unhealthy romantic relationship than a friendship that they're kind of going separate ways. So um, that that was kind of tough for me. But like you, I absolutely loved the first Wreck-It Ralph. I remember watching it. Um, I think it was like a free movie I saw in college because I had no interest in seeing it because I never played video games. I didn't understand that. And I saw the movie and walked out of it enthralled like I loved the humor and the characters and I Ralph was kind of wreck it Ralph who was trying to constantly fix things but then somehow ended up wrecking them in the meantime which is kind of how I felt his relationship with Vanellope throughout this movie was he kept trying to fix it and um I kind of get the the idea of when your friend is, is moving on to something else in life and you're like, no, I just want to keep this friendship and you keep trying to pull them closer and that just sends them further and further away. That was his version of trying to fix the relationship that they had and just wrecking it instead. Um, aside from the main, the two main characters, I feel like I enjoyed the additional secondary characters, but I never really felt overly attached to anyone. I didn't feel like there was this new, character that I was super invested in, which is disappointing because I like each installment of a movie giving me a little something more. The one character or um, shout out that I did love was Groot. I love baby Groot in anything and everything, including this movie. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and then I guess a little bit on the character side was Vanellope and her musical number that really inducted her into the Disney princesses. I absolutely loved that scene. I know it was super cheesy, but they kind of took your cookie-cutter princess staring into the water and turned it into this kind of dirty video game, and this was just penelopes like, this was her. This is who she was, and she was a little bit rugged, and I loved it. It honestly reminded me of a mix between La La Land, which I kind of loved, and Fast and the Furious. (laughs) which I know everyone hates the movies, but I love them (laughs) so much. But when everyone's, like, dancing on the brightly colored cars, it it was crazy, and I loved it. Um, One thing that I do wish they had was Jason Statham, because I love Jason Statham in any and every movie, and he would have been a perfect character in their little band of misfit car thieves. I love. I hope fact-
2: Slaughter Race gets nominated for an Oscar for Best Song. I just <laughs> love to see it up there with all the Star um, stars Born songs. I mean, it has to. There's
1: only been, like, at least two, maybe three movies this year that actually has, like, a musical number in it. So... Uh- If it doesn't get nominated, that will be ridiculous. I love the fact that you kind of expand on something I'm probably going to talk about maybe a little bit later of um, these characters, uh, Megan, as of – we've seen a lot of Disney movies. Like we've seen these Disney – we've lived with these Disney princesses for years and years and we've always been shown their – sort of comfortable side, right? We see it in Mulan of she's just like one of the guys and she feels comfortable. She can eat like another guy too and she can have like that camaraderie th- with those people but the entire society and how she's necessarily viewed as a princess and more prim and proper, we see that in a lot of these characters. Whereas now that we have get this Penelope character and the thing that makes her her more original and the best is because she can kind of live in that moment like her although her song is ridiculous and it's funny inside of this sort of basically grand theft auto sort of video game it's still very funny and it's endearing right And the moment that she kind of um goes to all the other princesses the instant they were like oh man she looks comfy right this is something that we've always wanted to do and completely changes their world so they're all in their comfy attire which i thought was Mm -hmm. great and i love that you know what we were used to is seeing this princess in a dress doing things there and I love, I love the fact that they have Merida in this movie because that was sort of like it wasn't the start of the break but she clearly was like a tomboy shooting bow and arrows like beating all the other guys at all the archery contests and clearly this is what she wanted to do so I'm glad that took a next step over like even further into that like um, racing cars is like the thing that Vanellope wants to do as much like being in this dangerous sort of environment and racing and living up to or at least being friends with a woman who is even better of a racer than her I love the fact that they actually kind of injected that in this movie more.
2: Also, Merida, just spouting out the hard Scottish game
1: <laughs> was amazing. I, I, um, I love it. I mean, I was bummed that they were like, we don't actually understand her. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, that's kind of guys. I, yes. I, I, I like...
3: That was one of my favorite lines, too, is oh, she's from another studio.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. I get yes. it. But, then, but we had Baymax in here and I was... Oh, no, not Baymax. We had... We had another Pixar thing, a couple Pixar things in here, and they didn't, like, focus on that one more. And I'm like, come on. That yeah, was, that there there
0: cool. were a couple of things. Buzz was there. Buzz Lightyear was there. Okay, Baymax yeah. was there, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Baymax is
1: Disney. Sorry, up. that's why. Yeah. There was a lot of With things that didn't, like, like it came into the background. They didn't quite put too much focus on it. But the only thing they had focus on that was Pixar that says, oh, we don't understand her. I kind of, I didn't quite like that. I was kind of bummed about that. But I can understand why. I
0: did like I did appreciate the fact that they clearly um, for this movie and a lot of movie theaters, uh, movie studios do this, especially uh, nowadays. But they recorded different lines for the scenes in the trailers, and so the merit that same Merida scene from the trailer, she is in the same like thick Scottish accent talking about how uh, her story from the movie about her how her her mom was it her mom who turned or her dad who turned into a bear yeah, and how she mom. had to go fight him and that mm-hmm. stuff her mom and like for me when. But clip hit the internet i watched that clip a million times in a row because a it was so funny and then b i was just trying to train my ear to understand her and so i was so ready for that line of dialogue in the movie and when she said something that was not only completely different but in an even like thicker accent <laughs> it made me crack up because i com- it completely subverted my expectations uh, so I, I i appreciated that
1: yeah super I, I really enjoyed that scene anything else megan
3: um, I want to go a little more in-depth on the princess and their comfy attire, but I'm going to hold that off until the internet more in-depth type of a thing.
0: Okay. Mocha, what you got? Yeah, so, I well, I'll say this first. I love the design of each location in the internet. Um, overall, I think the design of the internet, or at least its depiction of the internet, wasn't terribly original and wasn't actually fully up-to-date. Um, Brian touched on this a bit, a bit, but the fact that there was no reference to like streaming culture whatsoever shows, like, for me at least, this is a version of the internet that maybe didn't even exist, that maybe existed like three years, three or four years back, and the designers. Yeah, and the designers working on this just weren't aware of that change, and I think it shows. And unfortunately, that's one of the things about the Internet is that it moves so fast that you really have to be staying on top of things to know what's current. And I think it kind of showed its colors. Uh, the design team showed its colors in that, in that regard. But that being said, everything that I did see in it, I thought was, like, brilliantly designed and depicted in a very, like, Disney style. Um, I I appreciated the fact that, uh, for instance, the Amazon building was this massive, like, brutalist, oppressive, like, tower looming over the sky, like, a completely, like, different in coloration than everything else. How uh, Twitter was just, you know, a tree full of little, like, Twitter birds. And every time one of them actually, like, tweeted, uh, like, a, a message popped up. And the fact that they were all cat videos, too, uh, was appreciated.
3: <laughs> it was great.
0: <laughs> it was definitely cute. Um, yeah, I... I really like the way they depicted the internet, especially, uh, and, and in addition, the, the underbelly. I love the fact that when you go to the dark web, um, all of the, uh, human character, uh, human, like, uh, uh, characters or representations are all wearing, like, hoodies (laughs) with sunglasses and they have their hands in their pockets looking super sketchy. (laughs) Like, the thought of people walking around like that while they're browsing the dark web was just really, like, really tickled me. Um, I also thought the characters, for the, the new characters they did introduce, I thought they were really memorable and really lovable. Every one uh, of the characters introduced in Slaughter Race was fantastic. Not all of them got a lot of lines, like Butcher Boy did, but they all um, they all definitely struck a lovable chord, and I appreciated having them in the movie. But even um, Spamly, their the friend that that Ralph makes, who is a spam bot who goes around trying to get people to go to his website, like him uh, him sh- taking them to his website, aka his apartment, um, and sort of like showing him around and having that creepy friend who, uh, like, I can't remember his name, Gorg or something like that, yeah. where every time he would scream <laughs> yeah. for him, he would just like, be oh, there yes. with his weird eyes. <laughs> I can't... Uh, so this movie really he surprised me in a few moments, and one of those moments was the moment where Gorg uh, first appears, and he extends his arm... To hand over the, uh, the document, that freaked me the fuck out. It really, like, <laughs> legitimately disturbed me. And I wasn't expecting it. And I don't think I had a reason, I don't think anyone had a reason to expect just how creepy that character was. But in the context, it was like, I had an immediate recoil and then laughed. And I was like, wow, that's like, you know, there are a lot of, uh, parallels between comedy and horror. And I think for them to input something into this Disney movie that was really creepy and disturbing, but still had it be kind of immediately lovable once you kind of relaxed after after seeing what happened, was uh, was just like I thought like masterfully done for that, that little character who has no dialogue whatsoever.
2: Um, yeah. Also, I like the I appreciate the concept of Stanley's job as basically being a loot grinder or giving out jobs to loot grinders and gold farmers
0: and stuff. Yeah. No, yeah, that was that was it was a good take, and I liked. I had a really really fun time with the character. I think his name is like Double Dan or something like that. But he's the uh, he's Gorg's older brother who they go to visit um, in the dark web to get the virus from, and he has he has his brother's head like face on his neck. Like, and he, like, that was another scene that was, I was like, oh God, when they showed it and it was super disturbing, but so funny. And the fact that they kept making puns about his goiter or or, uh, the face in his neck and stuff like that, it reminded me of a, like a really good execution of the mole joke from Austin Powers, um, (laughs) which, uh, I wouldn't have expected in a, in a, in a Disney, in a Disney movie. So I don't know. I thought that the world they developed and the characters they put in it, the ones that were original were really well executed. Um, that being said, I felt like a lot of this movie put a lot of time into its cameos to the point where it felt it felt less meaningful to me that they were in the movie and more just like a checklist of all the possible things they could put in. And I felt like while it was pleasant en- enough, it detracted from what the movie could have been. I feel like I had some, uh, some issues with the movie that... I feel like could have been solved by expanding more on the plot and maybe some of the characters that we were already introduced to in the original movie, rather than showing up so much time for uh, little cameos or r- little quick jokes about like things in the background. Um, just to remind us that, Oh, this is the internet that you know, and these are things that you know. Um, and I feel like they didn't strike a good balance in that regard. Um, But again, speaking of cameos, the Disney princesses, hands down, best thing about the movie, uh, for me at least. The entire scene with them was uh, just really fun and seemed really natural. They all seemed like real people. And watching them get a chance to relax and talk and hang out was just really fun. And it's also something you don't get to see a lot in um, movies really in general, but especially like animated children's movies. You don't often get to see like a bunch of girls just hanging out and having a good time together without any other... uh, like love scenarios interest. going on, love interest, any immediate danger. Um, they're just hanging around being people. And it kind of surprised me <laughs> watching it. I was like, wow, I, I, I can't really think of all the the number of times where I've just seen like a group of uh, girls or women in an animated show being people as opposed to being like things that need that were being saved or as Megan mentioned of love interest. Um, and it was really enjoyable. I love seeing them hanging out in their casual wear. And I honestly would have would not have minded more of that in the movie or more of this, them, all of them hanging out together, regardless of which scene they were in. Um, And yeah, you know, all the different internet locations were all pretty cool, but going with what I said earlier about how the cameos felt a little forced at times, the Disney uh, section of the internet really kind of felt like just a long commercial for Disney parks. Um, It felt like what anyone would experience if they were walking around in in like Disney world or Disneyland And I get it because it's a Disney's movie and it's an easy way for them to uh, cash in on the kids watching it, getting excited about going to a place like Disney World and then asking their parents after watching the movie. It makes complete sense from a business standpoint, but it just really stuck out to me as something that wasn't that it felt more more like an advertisement than it did just them trying to put something uh, heartfelt and meaningful into the movie itself.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I know, especially with one of the last sort of reviews that we talked about, you know, obviously keeping it non-spoilers for um, Fantastic Beasts or Crimes of Grindelwald, but I definitely got a sense of the amount of cameos and easter eggs that they, they were that she put in that movie i was getting the sense of man there's a lot of stuff happening in this one so much so as much as so we talked about like one of our favorite sequences was that disney princess especially because i have never you know especially me not watching the trailers and i know that that was a trailer moment i haven't seen that and i'm trying to process all the disneyware at the same time i'm trying to process what they're saying in that sequence which is amazing and I'm at the same time trying to follow how this fits into the movie my brain was just like this is a bit this is too much happening at one point Um, so much so that I'm going to probably have to go back and rewatch it a couple more times just so that I can be like oh okay oh and so I'm wondering if it's probably going to benefit from like a repeat viewing Um, so I was kind of like excited but maybe not so much I'm like just tell me I need to focus on like less things Uh, but I still liked it so I I wouldn't change it, but I definitely want to yeah. comment on it.
0: Yeah. And I feel like when you have that much of a, Critical mass of Easter eggs um, or cameos in a movie. You're missing out on the very point of an Easter egg. The point of an Easter egg is to be like this little gem that is either hidden, uh, that you have to either discover by hunting it down or discover by accidentally finding it, and um, it's supposed to be a nice little fun thing to kind of like make you happy in a way that is a wink to you, the audience member who knows what they're looking, what they're looking at, or what they're catching out of the corner of their eye. If everything, the cameo or an Easter egg, Easter egg, it's not an Easter egg at that point. It's just a sequence of, of one and a half second um, like shots that, and, and it loses value in that regard. I think.
1: Yeah, but I think also like talking about a video game world, internet world, like this is the same thing. So I don't really regard it as like being like a con or like a negative, right? Same thing with Wreck-It Ralph. I remember there was so much background stuff that was happening right we don't necessarily have to focus on that what i happen to have be focusing on is everything in the background at the same time so Mm -hmm. i don't look at it as being bad i was just like that's a lot going on at once i'm glad they had like the tenacity and i'm glad they were super brave to do that um i just wonder if it's going to be a bit distracting to other sort of viewers as watching it
0: well, I'm glad you actually mentioned that because if you look at Wreck-It-Roth, the, origin, uh, the original movie, that was a pretty original idea or at least approach from from Disney in their, in their films, having so many uh, references to real-world things that audience members could connect to. But when you take that in a movie that was in it, of itself unique and then make a sequel, and the sequel is a little bit longer and has significantly more of the same stuff, at that point it loses a lot of that originality and just becomes like a thing they're doing for the sake of doing it.
1: Yeah. I
0: mean, yeah,
2: like I, some of the cleverness of like the first film was like how they're in that support group for bad guys, and Zangief is like, uh, just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy, and, the, and that, that's smart, that's clever, that's a great joke. But then they have like Zangief's book club, and they're talking about Dostoevsky, and <laughs> Ralph says, yes yeah. and no, and it's like, <laughs> oh, duality, that's amazing. It doesn't really play <laughs> the same as. Those jokes from the first one.
1: Yeah, but you're looking at something like it, I don't. I know it's kind of tough, but like you were trying to find an identity in the first one, right? And then we're looking at you know what happens when somebody that you've basically live with. You know, for six years that done the same exact thing for six years straight says, Hey, I'm, I'm done with this. I want to go leave. Like, you're going to have a, a, another kind of identity crisis that's happening here, but on the, in a different scale. So I'm glad that they didn't try to retread on that entirely. I'm glad they tried something new, though. Uh, but that line for the first movie was absolutely amazing. That was so great. <laughs> Megan, you said something?
3: Yeah, I think kind of going back to the Easter eggs or the nods to different things, it's something that Disney and Pixar are super known to do, right? Like the pizza truck from Toy Story shows up in every movie, or um, Dory shows up as a stuffed animal in another movie, and there are these long-winded ideas of how every Pixar movie is connected, and in some ways, I get that, and it's almost like they're trying to do that in this movie but it is a little sensory overload where everywhere you look there's some sort of reference to something else and it loses it's like cute little nod but I also see where you're coming from where it kind of ties back into the first movie where that's that's kind of what Wreck-It Ralph is, is it's taking all these references that everyone knows and just giving you a story behind the character so I'm kind of torn between that so I get like where all of you are coming from I think it's a very Pixar-Disney thing to do, um, but it can be a little overwhelming in this context.
1: I also like to compare it to, you know, Ready Player One, the movie, to the book. And the book had a lot of references, but it it was like a bit more spread out and it wasn't overdone, whereas the movie for one of the fight scenes was literally all video game references. That wasn't even the book at all. And it was just like... This is is cool. I love seeing Battletoads, but this doesn't make any sense what's happening, right? So, it's not that drastic, uh, but it's like, I I look at it as, you know, it's definitely not as bad as, you know, Reddit Player One was, but I can definitely understand how it could be a a bit much of the overload, but I wouldn't want it any other way. So. Mocha, you have anything else? Uh, No, I'm good. <laughs> um yeah so I'm definitely going to talk about a little bit of some of the things that we had mentioned you know I do want to talk about you know the design itself for the Disney princesses this is the first time that we are seeing Tiana Mulan um Ariel where we have not seen them in this animation sort of um uh, view before and it kind of was freaking me out a little bit because I'm like I've only known them flat my entire world is like blown at this point because they they look great I don't I don't know how to how to process this uh, and then we got Moana back so soon which I thought was actually great because I was I didn't know that she was going to be in this movie either so the fact that they kind of injected that entire sequence which is absolutely amazing I mean I literally would watch that sequence again Um bummed that they, that was in the trailer but again you know, we talked about why I also don't like watching trailers. Um, I love the fact that they were kind of bringing up some deeper topics in this actual film. That uh, as this movie ages, right, six years is a long time. As this movie ages, things also has to age and sort of progress. That so we got Mister Lu Lugw- Is it Ludwig or Luwig
0: Litwak. Litwak.
1: Litwack. So, Litwak. No. Yeah. Uh, so he's getting internet for the first time, which is a huge thing, right? He's getting Wi-Fi. Even Megan talked about the design of having like a, a G4 computer or like a little uh, clam, uh, not a clamshell, but he had like His an old, old Mac. Yeah, color. So great. And I was like, oh, like he was like – for sure. Like it wasn't on. I love – I was like cracking up at the moment that they go in, they walk in, and it's like, oh, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. He sets up internet but never plugs it in. This is amazing. I'm so glad they actually showed that. <laughs> but like there's some little things, right? They just talked about the design that leads to kind of some other kind of further moments and details and the fact that we go from like a static game, like a static video game like Wreck-It Ralph and even – the uh, racing games to the fact that we go to the internet and all this other world that's there, right? That's how it also kind of transitioning. And I think that also tied back into the characters of some of their emotions and their sort of motivations of what's happening, actual film. I like that. It was that transition because that, you know, things come at you fast right now. People are going to be streaming everything, YouTube, and they also talk about the likes and that is what their focus was on. Um, so I thought that was actually kind of pretty cool that they had that there. Um, other than that, um, I did feel like Ralph's character lacked a a good amount of development. It just felt like he was pretty one note a lot. Um, He was very angry. He was sad. He was insecure. He literally showed almost every negative emotion I can think of. And really everybody else in this film was pretty pretty innocent. And it was because of his insecurity that led – so much so to the fact that why Vanellope ended up like not telling him some of these things because she knew how he was going to react to it, and it's kind of tough to like a character that is kind of just a bad friend all in all. And I get it and that they you know they came they came together in the end and. Um, you know, all those Ralphs went through therapy and I love that joke about it, but it just felt that at some point, like at no, at no point at all was I like on Ralph's side that, yeah, you should do that. Or yeah, I agree with you, Ralph. And that kind of took me out of it a little bit. I think that especially from the first movie, like him, trying to be more and he had a bit more footing. He had a bit more understanding in the first movie. I can empathize with him and I can also empathize with other characters. And this movie, it definitely made you seem like you kind of want to don't want to, you don't want to like Ralph. You definitely want to be voting for Vanellope, especially because she has all these princesses and she has all these other friends. Whereas Ralph is pretty content, with his ways and he's kind of stuck in his ways to lack of a better term which is interesting to talk about that at the same time we're talking about a movie that's transitioning out of the static games into more of an internet real world so a lot of kind of complex things that they are kind of talking about but overall it just felt like there was too much um, negative things to associate Ralph with Um, also and also just kind of stupidity we get it that he's not as smart as everybody else but come on you don't have to like keep beating us over the head with it um so i was kind of bummed about that um but you know at the same time like i still think they're kind of okay like him going going back and like kind of winning stuff for vanellope just seemed like he was doing all that stuff for himself um and less for his friendship so him being sort of insecure and being selfish throughout the entire movie made it a bit difficult
2: Yeah, I also think that one thing that was just kind of out of character with Ralph was the whole setup of using a virus to try to get his friend back. I feel like there's a bit of a too dark and lethal means, even for Ralph, even though he is wrecking Ralph and basically his nature is to break things and wreck them. Um, I still feel like even as dumb as Ralph is, he has grown a friendship where he would never stoop to that low.
1: Like that was a huge, huge component. I love how Megan talks about, you know, he's trying to fix things as much as possible. He's trying to be feel it fixes, but he kept breaking stuff. And that was another call out back to the original movie, the first movie they. Directly talked about that, right? So then, you know, coming from six years later, now he's in this new world. He's still trying to do the best things as possible, yet he's still messing up. He's had super success on the YouTube version, right? He had a lot of success getting a lot of money, was able to buy the wheel. But the fact that he just gets angry and says, Hey, I just want to slow the game down a little bit, like, you know, we had in Tron, it, it felt like that could have been kind of reworked a little bit differently because he intentionally doing something negative to try to um, make her sad, right? It, I, I just don't think that that's another, uh, like I was talking about, there's nothing coming back from that. You intentionally chose to break that video game for your for your own liking. I think it was kind of a bummer. Yeah, Mocha?
0: Well, I think um, something that's interesting about that is there's a secondary or like a sub-moral there, which is the notion that it can feel good, um, and feel safe to do the same things that make you happy all the time. But if you never go exo- like explore outside the world that you've created for yourself, you're not going to grow in any sort of meaningful way. And I think that was the point of Ross' character. You know, he was doing all these shitty... He wound up doing a lot of shitty things or behaving in shitty ways, but it wasn't because he was bad. It was because this was his first time being exposed to these sort of negative feelings, like she was his first real friend. And this is the first time he's had to deal with feeling jealousy about another friend's uh, desires to go elsewhere. And, you know, if you grow up sheltered uh, from certain feelings, when you eventually do encounter them, you're going to have a hard time figuring out how to process that because you're supposed to work through that in earlier years. Um, And so I think there was a less uh, focused on, but still, I think quite relevant moral there about like teaching kids or people watching like hey you should go outside your comfort zone and do fun thing do do new things because being the same person all the time isn't going to let you become uh, the best person you can be.
1: Yeah, and that's a good call out. I just wish there was more time for us to process with Ralph how he's actually feeling. Um, less time about internet memes. Right, And showing us those things more time about what actually what what is Ralph feeling, right? And I know that we're kind of transitioning from character and design. We'll talk a bit more about these complex topics here that we had mentioned. Um, but I, I, I do want to expand on the, these thoughts a lot because I see where you're going, Mocha. I like that idea a lot. I just wish I saw that on the film a bit more. Megan?
3: The one thing that I think it also does is it really takes that Disney princess scene and puts it into more context. Throughout all of that, Ralph is trying to be the white knight that saves Vanellope from this scary, scary video game where she could get hurt. And in the end, she knows what she's doing. And him trying to step in and protect her and be the man who saves the the princess, like the princesses talk about, He ends up kind of ruining things for not only her and himself, but for the entire Internet. And I think that manages to call out the Disney princess scene, which we think is really cute and cool and kind of calls out Disney culture, which she mentioned. Um, It it ties it all together, which is one thing that I like about it. Even though it makes it tough and we don't really understand his motivation behind it, um, somehow it pulls that together. And I appreciate that aspect of it.
1: So, could you even say that Ralph is the villain in this film? I would say it's just. Or anti hero?
2: I just think it's uh, fear and insecurity of uh, life changing. I, like I mean,
3: that's that what insecurity the is. is the real evil in yeah. it. Yeah, I, don't, I like
0: yeah. that. And I, and I do appreciate that about this movie is, you know, a lot of times animated films and children's movies and children's stories will. Try to explain um, a thing by personifying it into the form of a villain that needs to be stopped. And this movie didn't say that; it just said, "Hey, sometimes like life is difficult, and sometimes the things that happen make you feel sad. And here's a way to resolve that." And I think that's a really meaningful approach that I, you don't see movies, especially Disney movies, taking that often because they usually go the route of giving you a physical represent- representation of the bad thing.
1: I love the simplicity of it. Um, so, Brylin, what more do you have about some of these complex sort of topics that we talked about? We had mentioned before of attachment, abandonment, sort of friendship, uh, insecurity. Um, how much more would you like to expand on that?
2: Uh, yeah. Um, I think, I mean, this is probably one of the strongest suits of the story and the theme is that it doesn't give us like a big disney villain to actually confront it is more of the internal struggle that our characters are having and it's also something that's very relatable to a lot of people i know when i made a substantial change in my life change in my life and i moved from my hometown where all my friends that i grew up with and everything were there and i decided to take a risk and live somewhere else um I, I know for a few years I was like kind of a hot mess and stuff and that it took me a while to kind of figure out what am I doing and and at first I was thought like everybody hated me and stuff and I up here so it, it was just a, a, a learning phase that I was like no I'm just like trying to adjust and I gotta get used to how, people exist and move in a different environment. And that's what it is, is that change is going to not necessarily change your character, but it's going to change how you actually approach uh, your day-to-day life or to really focus differently on how you want to pursue your goals and your dreams and stuff. And that was done really well, I thought, between Ralph and Vanellope for the most part. Um, I feel that the plot, though, that they had to tell this, tell these themes and everything was just too cookie-cutter. That the ultimate, like, the linchpins for the story that were set up with the broken steering wheel and getting it on eBay and having to buy it and them messing up on eBay, sometimes it just felt too convenient to drive the story along, but also... The silliness of the setup, I kind of think took it away, took me out of it for a little bit. So I didn't feel the same impact that I think I should have felt with this type of story. Uh, and so it made me, it made it very hard for me to kind of dive in and care a lot about what the struggle was going on. There's even times, points at times where I felt like, oh, it's just, this movie just keeps on going on and on and doesn't know where to stop. And the ending of it does really get to be uh, something that kind of where everything is cleaned up, but they still are just protracting a lot of ideas and want to continue with like their cameos and their fun moments to give as many side gags as possible, which I think take away from this uh, emotional core that could have been really strong. Uh, And there are some great visual elements that they do to represent like the struggles of friendship and everything like the uh, million Ralph's was great. I like that. Uh, even though I think the virus was like a little too heavy handed of a tool for Ralph to use, I think, um, like, the nature of the virus was really cool. It was very objective and very robotic. Is like, I'm going to find an insecurity, and then I'm going to uh, analyze it and then copy it everywhere. And that's literally what it did. Uh, and, like, all the million Ralphs just yelling friend running around, that was... Cool because they, they didn't know what they were doing. They were just going after Vanellope because that's what they perceive as their friend and that obsessiveness that Ralph had in them. And then when they grow together is a big one, um, how they're able to, like, kind of have a talk and reason uh, was a neat moment, uh, but I felt like they needed more to kind of build upon that uh, moment as well.
1: Yeah, I can't agree with you more, especially the big sort of end in sequence. It definitely felt – that felt rushed. Uh, I, I, would, I would have loved to feel – I would have loved for them to solve it in a more creative way besides just talking it out. Um, I know that that has to happen at some point, but it happened very quickly. Like shit goes bad. Everything goes bad. Let's try to fix it same thing that we've been doing this entire movie right so they're still trying to do the same sort of trends and then at that point they're like oh let's do like this Nord antivirus also love the fact that no one gives a shit about norton antivirus it's hilarious um but also it's it's funny that you know they try to do that and then they said or you know therapy right and the moment she says either do the norton antivirus or they can all go through therapy and you knew you're like oh they're gonna go through therapy I I, clearly I know where this is kind of going, so I I really wanted to see a a, a bit more, um, also a a bit more kind of growth from Ralph. But I'm also glad that all the princesses kind of huddled and bundled together to save the day, and I'm glad that that was like the 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 big focus there. That was pretty cool, or at least save. Big strong man's in trouble. We need to save him. (laughs) So great, so great. Anything else?
2: Uh, that's what I had for the, uh, the more emotional complexities of the movie.
1: Cool. Meg?
3: Um, I have to say, going back to what Mocha was saying about how a lot of Disney movies take this idea and make some sort of personification of it, that was actually one thing that I really liked about the movie was them taking an insecurity and making it a virus. Um, I wish they could dive a little bit deeper and doing more of a complex not just this is good or this is evil and I think they touch it a little bit with Vanellope where she has a glitch she has a quote-unquote insecurity um, and that glitch makes her stronger and I think that's a really cool thing for them to call out and then kind of put it next to Ralph who has an insecurity as well and that insecurity is at 100% rather than Vanellope's 30% or what have you. And it shows that it's okay to have insecurities and vulnerabilities, but to not let it take you over. And Ralph let it take him over, and then Ralph turned into a million Ralphs, and then the million Ralphs turned into one giant Ralph. And, yeah, yeah I don't know how I feel about that either. Um, I wish they could have done something a little less heavy-handed. And same thing, kind of crammed everything in the end. You have all of these scenes that are really fun and quirky, but they don't really do anything for the plot or that emotional longevity of it
0: yeah yeah. you know people constantly underestimate the, uh, the the emotional and the intellectual complexity of children um, but I think this movie did a really good job of taking a relatable set of feelings and uh, that any child may have and like making it accessible making it understandable everything they need to know about like how to like overcome it I think it was good
1: uh, yeah so I definitely agree with you Mokov um, on that the, you know the only th- other thing that I'll kind of br- like branch off of that is that I definitely saw a lot of parallels between a, a few different things. Um, there's a lot of different, and every Disney, every Pixar, like there's a lot of, in a lot of these movies, there's a lot of different layers. There's a lot of different imagery. I'm glad that they kind of they talked about, you know, how Ralph feels when he feels the, that he's abandoned, right? His only friendship, like we kind of explore that, and we kind of see that. Um, he's not quite there with Felix because Felix now has a wife. And now that Felix has a wife and they have a family, technically Ralph is kind of left with not a lot or really anything. Um, so I'm glad to kind of go ahead and kind of talk about that. I thought it was really interesting that they um, had a parallel between – uh, going back to your game is like going back to life. So in this world, video games is like going to your everyday life, to kind of day to day. And there's like a line that says that, you know, you have to go back and do it. You know, what if you, you don't want to wake up and kind of go – um, back to your game and kind of do that. It's something about the, that, you know, what happens if you kind of get back into this actual cycle. So I like the fact that they had video games, which is literally the opposite, quote unquote, right? The opposite of going to work. Um, but they also kind of branched that together, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, I'm also glad that, you know, and, uh, I'll also, also transition to this next section that we'll talk about, you know, looking at the internet and how Disney is kind of, um, branching this together that they actually talked about and had the, opportunity to kind of fit in internet bullying. Um, That was a really, really big concept that, you know, they didn't talk about the streamers, which I thought was kind of bummer, uh, much like Brylin's talk about. But I know one of the biggest issues that I was, you know, looking at was, are they going to talk about internet bullying? Are they going to talk about trolls? Are they going to talk about all this stuff? And I, I'm glad they talked about it. I wish they would have handled it a little bit more with a little bit more confidence um, because one of the first things that yes says is, oh, we should have told you not to read the comments, right? Because people are going to be like these evil people. They're only going to say these mean things. They're only going to like, they're just basically going to be trolls, right? For lack of a better term, they did not want to say internet troll, but that's exactly what it was. And I'm kind of bummed that, You know, one of the biggest characters that is about this business is telling Ralph, who's brand new to this world, not to look at it, which as that's a message to say, Don't look at them as as opposed to saying that, you know, you don't have to pay attention or you don't have to sort of embrace them. Like that's not you. You can be your own person. You can have the confidence in yourself. Those people are going to say whatever they want to say. But that's like assuming that all comments on YouTube or all comments on the Internet is negative. And it definitely felt a bit more – are problematic that uh, they didn't – like she basically was uh, like being about that and it was kind of bummer because we saw some positive but we also saw a lot of negative and that's what I kind of took out from the actual scene. Mocha?
0: Um, so first off, really quick point if you haven't been anywhere near a YouTube comment, you know that they're all negative. YouTube <laughs> is a trash fire. Um, <laughs> or Russian ads. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think Brian might have like, uh, started to touch touch on this point a little bit earlier, but, um, everything that you just mentioned about them calling out the, uh, internet bullying culture, people feeling bad online, uh, was important and good and relevant to kids these days. And I wish that they had just cut out a couple of seconds of, of, of random other cameos and given us a bit more about that. Because this is another example of the adults working on this film not having caught up with where the world is today. Because internet bullying for kids that are in school is way more targeted than just having some some not nice comments underneath a, a, a post. It involves people like like dogpiling on you it involves people like spreading lies and rumors and like shutting doxing, you out of social situations swatting. doxing absolutely it is way more intense and for kids who are in school way 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 more focused and those quote-unquote comments aren't coming from strangers on the internet they're coming from the kid people that they know and have to see every day um and it's a huge problem um and i feel like this movie really missed a mark by just touching on the comments and not actually looking, talking about at all about what internet bullying is like for for actual kids.
1: Yeah, I can't agree more. Uh, Megan?
3: I definitely agree. I think it's something that people don't talk about very often, and when they do, it's not to the extent that they should. Um, it would have been a perfect moment to dive a little bit deeper. I think they made one slightly offhanded comment that was not really easy to catch on to, but Ralph does say, This is the only heart I need when it goes to the, I think, the cookie that Vanellope made for him that said, you are my hero. And I think that that's a really sweet moment. And they kind of take that, right? They kind of say, okay, he's read the comments. He knows that they're attacking him. But he has the confidence to say, the only thing that matters is the opinion of the people that I truly care about. Mm -hmm. It's tough because then you circle back and she's deserting him, he feels. Um, But I think it's a key moment that shows that he's kind of stepping above all of that and taking his own self-confidence in his own hands. Um, One thing that I do appreciate is the likes, the hearts. They treat it like currency, and I feel like that is, as much as so many things aren't a current idea of the Internet, I think that is a current idea that for some people, more than money, more than actual dollar bills – Likes on the internet, hearts on Instagram, retweets on Twitter. That is the currency of this generation to some extent. So I kind of appreciate how they do that parallel with the internet.
1: Yeah, but I know even going off of more of what Brylin's talk about, and I'll toss it to you, Brian after, is all of this stuff that we're saying for right now is, you know, definitely feels a bit safe, right? They could have easily yeah. went there. They And they have gone there. I felt they have gone there in the past. They... For some reason chose not to And I'm curious to see if there's like a a darker cut Maybe with some death I don't know Bradley. what you got
2: Uh yeah So my whole take on how they perceive the internet Would Is that um This is Disney's like just wholesome view Like if Disney ran the whole internet it'd be kind of like this. So it'd be very orderly, very wholesome, but still have a dark web to it, which, I mean, yeah, definitely Disney would have a dark web. Um, but uh, it, it's not really reflective of, like, the realistic chaos that goes on to the Internet. I'm not saying that we should have seen, like, a Pornhub sign or a Pornhub area in this movie. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but um, we should have seen a lot more chaos of, I think... If everything was aggressive, if yes was like super aggressive um, about like the urgency to get likes and stuff, you would definitely gotten a more rational and realistic view of the internet. And I think that was kind of a miss for them. Is that they they should have done a little bit more to uh, double down and understand uh, what uh, <laughs> what what internet culture is. Even though I know it take probably six years to make this movie. Um, find ways of trying to keep it as current as possible, because like Boca mentioned before, the internet moves super fast. Um, the other thing I would actually um, just to mention is, uh, why weren't the internet people freaking out at these old-timey video game characters walking around? I think that, that would have made it a more interesting story, like if... I mean, if you think about it, the internet was this new thing that was plugged in and everything. They had just known the arcade and the arcade machines around them for the longest time, and then if they're going to the internet, change it up a bit, make it make it seem like it's a different universe. Uh, it felt like it was a little too convenient for them to fit so easily into moving around the internet that they did. Um, also, sell uh, just and that also made the world just not as interesting as the original Wreck-It Ralph. Um, but I did appreciate like all the memes and everything that Ralph did. I thought those were fun and everything. Especially the Ralph rolling at the end of the credits was a fun little uh, nod to uh, just internet culture. So. I enjoyed that a lot, uh, but I think they could have used some. They could have gone with some more uh, internet culture concepts and made some more interesting story elements. So, if I think about like all the people I hear from, is like they said this is coming out, or they said this happened, and or like the. The propensity for false information To be so pervasive nowadays Like say oh they said this happened This must be true And if you created like characters that would move around Called the they's And that they would actually have like this random Like just garbage that they would throw Everywhere I think that would have been pretty neat to see um,
1: That sounds awesome <laughs> what yeah. I want to see that so much now <laughs> Uh,
2: but, yeah, I, th- I think um, that there was just a lot of misses because it feels like they took a description of how uh, someone's dad described the Internet who's never used the Internet before and went with that.
1: Uh, Meg, do you have anything more?
3: Um, I really like all of those call-outs. I have to 100% agree with that. The one thing that I wanted to tie back to the Internet kind of... Um, looking at itself with the Disney princesses and their comfy gear. Um, it's kind of like the Internet's version of taking a character that we all know and, and putting it on its head. So all over the Internet you see the hipster Disney princesses, you know, Snow White who says, I I there, I there had an apple before Steve Jobs or, or whatever, and those things are pretty cute and funny along the Internet, and they somehow tie that in, and I liked that. Um, but I agree it could have been darker. It could have been a little bit more real. There are good sides of the internet, right? like the internet is what is connecting all of us right now and and the way that we can stay connected to so many people that we love, but there's a dark side too and and there are a lot of themes and things that they could have touched that they just didn't.
0: mocha, what you got? Um yeah, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I thought. I don't think that this was the most original depiction of the web of what the World Wide Web could be. Um, I think that this movie should have been released five years ago, and everything about it would have fit in much more um, appropriately with the time. I think that you know the whole idea of exploring the internet isn't as isn't very original, and I wish that we had gotten a different setting. Like I, for one, am a big fan of the idea of keeping the Record Ralph characters within a video game universe. Um, and I agree with you, Warren, that if they had stayed in the arcade machines, that we, it would have been probably a bit boring and redundant. But, you know, again, looking at where technology is today, we can uh, take the Internet idea, still have Mr. Litwack set up a modem or whatever, but then have that modem connect uh, Ralph and uh, Vanellope to a st- online like uh, video game streaming platform like, let's say, Steam and so now you have an- another world which is which has is just as ripe for creativity and exploration as the internet as a whole, but it's still contained within the world of video games. You can still have your cameos, but have them be in, like in completely out of their water in non-arcade video games and explore on that, explain on that a little further. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily where they should have gone, but I think that there was potential for them to have fun with the internet without having to just be the generic, oh, this is the internet, and look at all these websites you know. Um... I think too. Just doubling back really quick, thinking about the way the movie handled its final conflict with the million of the millions of Ralphs um, who form into one giant Ralph. I too didn't really love the fact that it was just a manifestation of his insecurity, and all they could do was scream like friend and chase down Penelope. I felt like. I don't know, like Ralph himself was a bit more comp- complex. It was a, maybe not complex, but had a bit more going to his insecurities than just, than just that. But what I think would have been really awesome um, tying into our conversation about not looking at the comments and dealing with Internet bullying would be if uh, whatever virus it was that came out actually manifested uh, some of the negative things that were being said on the Internet. Some of the not likes. And those were the things that started chasing people around and terrorizing the world and hunting down yeah. Ralph. Because then all those individual, uh, like, mean thoughts and feelings swarming together and becoming this massive version of him that is literally crushing him and that he can't uh, defeat until he, like, reaffirms his connection with somebody who actually cares about him. Like, that is a very similar chain of events, but has a completely different take if you, uh, like, put a little bit more effort into what those cloned Ralphs are. Um so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think that this movie did a lot of interesting things, but still held itself back in a lot of ways. And I hope that they just try to reach a little higher for the third movie.
1: Yeah, I'm only wondering because I'm curious, like where where would this movie go next? So, um, whether it's VR, um, whether we talk about streaming, um, if we're going to introduce something else, or maybe if there's a new Record Route video game that. Ralph finally has like a love interest. There's a lot of, I'm sure there's like a bunch of things that this can go, uh, but I'll be curious to see where it goes. Um, but yeah, I agree with, um, everybody for what you said here. It definitely felt like this internet was like the, uh, uh, like the uh, parental guidance internet version of it. I think that was kind of funny. Like the V-chip? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like su- like a super basic and I'm like, well, this is not the internet I know. I don't know.
2: Ralph starts a subreddit.
1: Oh my gosh. That would be so <laughs> great. Ugh. Ugh, I would love that. All right. So let's got- talk about uh, in conclusion, Brylan. what do you got some lasting thoughts for Ralph Breaks the Interwebs? Uh, Ralph
2: Breaks the Internet is a really safely executed sequel for Disney. Uh, the wholesomeness and entertainment is still there from the original film, but it's lacking the depth that I really loved from the first film. So um, I wish I had more, but it's still a fun movie to see. Meg?
3: I agree. I really enjoyed it. I think it gave me the warm and fuzzies, and I walked out of it um, still chuckling to myself. I like the little references that they gave. Um, but again, just like Bryland, wish there was a little bit more.
0: Malka? Yeah, you know, this movie had the same good characters as previously and a lot of creativity to it. However, I feel like it was dotted with brilliant moments that... really show the possibility of what's capable within this franchise and what it can bring to the table. But for the most part, it was obscured by relatively bland and uh, safe animated experience. Um, I don't mind the video game characters from the arcade, so give me more Sonic the Hedgehog, give me more princesses, but definitely give me less of those fraction of a second cameos and a bit more substance for the next movie. Um, If you have a kid, take him to see it. If you love animated movies and you have the time, go ahead and see it. But otherwise, I think this is worth watching at home.
1: Yeah, so I know... Um, also, did anybody see this in an uh, upgraded fashion? I saw it in 3D. Did anybody see IMAX or Dolby or anything?
0: I saw it in Dolby Cinema. I saw it in Dolby as well.
1: Pfft, y'all are fancy, huh? Oh, yeah. I just saw it regular. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I saw it in 3D, and there was like uh, there's some glaring, like, come on... You don't need to do – whoa! So this is like you need to to stop. Uh, But I really enjoyed the film a lot. Um, I think just about any Disney slash Pixar movie, um, I feel like Disney is getting close to where Pixar um, is. I think Pixar still does – some things better, especially talk about some complex feelings and emotions and ideas. Uh, I know we even talked about it. Megan wanted to bring up, um, you know, Inside Out. You know, that's one of my favorite movies. That is a movie on feelings, so I definitely enjoyed it a lot. Love the characters. I love the new characters there. Um, I agree with everybody that you know they can always do more. Um, I like where this is going. I think it's a pretty solid sequel. I still think number one is going to be better, but definitely take definitely take kids to go see this movie, especially as they give you if you can at least get to the point where you can have these conversations. I feel Disney's really, really powerful to at least bring up some of these things. They may not go in detail as they should, but they at least kind of get you to have a conversation about these complex ideas with your with your son or your child and things like that. So I appreciate them trying to um, have these more difficult conversations about internet trills and stuff like that. So thank you. And with that... We are the Down in Front podcast. Thanks everybody for hanging out with us and joining our review for Wreck It rec- Ralph Breaks the Internet. Ralph wrecks the internet. There we go. Uh, nope. Bradley, no, no, Ralph wrecks the internet. That's that's correct.
3: Ralph breaks the internet.
1: No, Ralph, Ralph breaks no, the, internet. Wrecks the internet. I'm, lo- I'm looking <laughs> at it right now. Uh, nope. Bradley, <laughs> where can people find where you find more of your work?
2: Uh, you can find me reading all the comments and replies to my uh, Twitter feed at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Yes, that's right, at Kyle Kowalski. I read everything. <laughs> uh, you can also find me on Instagram, putting up many movie and TV reviews at I am Bryland. And I'm also the host of the Gamescast, which TV slash down from podcast. Uh, the Red Dead Online mode has gone into beta, so we need to fire that up and see what that's like. Soon.
1: Oh my gosh, finally, I can actually maybe get that game. Super pumped about that. Mocha Mike, where can people find more your work?
0: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, slutting myself out for hearts at Mocha Mike, L I, ask the Lord intended unfortunately you cannot find me at mocha mike the person who owns that username is an elderly man who accidentally unplugged his router and hasn't <laughs> been able to log back into twitter since um so unt- until that changes i'm at mocha mike LI. um also you can find me on instagram at mocha mike where i post some of my photography work and on medium.com where i used to write long form articles about the things we talk about here <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm a little behind.
1: <laughs> I was just about to call you out, <laughs> uh, Megan. Where can people find where you work on the interwebs?
3: Uh, you can find me at Friends with Blends, friends w blends on Instagram and Twitter, talking about all my favorite wines, um, trying to collect hearts, but not doing as good of a job as Mocha. But we're out there. We're trying. We're drinking. It's fun.
0: I see you working it. At- We're out there, we're trying, we're
3: drinking. It's fun.
1: Such a great time. I'm coming
3: on this podcast to try and get more traction.
1: Uh, (laughs) We just want to just drink more wine. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we have the Down to Front Podcast Check out more of our work Just about anywhere that you kind of search for us So we have a Facebook Facebook.com Slash Down and Front Podcast I mean we're on Reddit We're on YouTube We're on Twitter At underscore DAFP If you like what we do You actually want to Kind of help us out Any and all donations Are going to be helpful Because it is Giving Tuesday um, So check out And become a patron Patreon.com Slash Down and Front Podcast um, If you like our intro music That's actually done By the Shredder Blewett himself Who could or could not not being kicked off this podcast, who knows? Uh, so definitely kind of check that out. We have a SoundCloud that's going to be on there. Um, thanks so much. I'm super excited to talk about our next review. Um, we're getting to the my favorite month of the year, which is December. So stay tuned for a lot more holiday movies and a lot of awesome reviews. So I'm super pumped. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great night and we'll see you later.
0: Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> why, is
1: there, why, is always, why is there always like a pause before everybody says bye? Thanks so much. See you later.
2: <laughs> it's called coverage. It's for editing purposes. You need pauses so you can it them and out make it cool. The same. You just started off
1: <laughs> uh, we need to talk to about the yeah, but, like, was so space, but no, it was. no, so there's no, – no, the true. ending sequence. Uh, I think I was talking about Megan on this.